you're like me, you probably have a closet full of local band merch. And whether you know it or not, a lot of that band merch is probably made by Divine Shirt Company right here in Winnipeg. Divine Shirt Company has made all of the Great Witch Police merch from our hoodies to our toques to our t-shirts. And if you're looking to get anything done, like screen printing, embroidery, graphic design, digital printing, go to see Divine Shirt Company at divineshirtcompany.ca and tell them which police radio sent you. One of our colleagues, Sam Thompson, who, um, if you saw him, you'd sort of right away assume he was a hippie. Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Which police radio? Which police radio? Which police radio? Which police radio? Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Which police radio? All right, welcome to Witch Police Radio. Uh, I'm here today with two members of a band that is uh, relatively new to me, and uh, we'll get into this, but I've definitely heard the name before when you reached out uh, about coming on the podcast. Uh, I don't know if it's just from seeing it on posters or, or show listings or, or whatever, but I mean, it was a name that I had certainly heard uh, many times before. So I think the best way to start this off is if you want to introduce yourselves and, and the band and then what you do in the band so listeners can put a name to the voice. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. We are DB and the Deadbeats. We're a party blues band. We've been around since about uh, early 2010 here in the city. We've played mostly Winnipeg, but the surrounding areas over the years. Um, festivals, private gigs, local bars. Um, it's kind of been our home. We've had some rotating members over the years, but uh, since 2020, or 2016, I should say, our core members have been myself, Phil Bukowski, our bass player, Jack Sherrard, our sax player, Steve Serens, and that's when our singer, Dusty From over here, joined the band. And uh, we've had a little bit of a carousel of drummers over the years, but uh, our current drummer, Carol, who's been uh, who's been a rock for us the last few years, is our, uh, our current member who did our last album with us. So. Cool. Or EP, I should say. Well, and I guess that's why I think the name has been familiar, just because you have been around for, uh, like you said, since since uh, it's been more than a decade now, right? So, uh, you know, seeing it uh, on show listings and things like that, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Where where do you think that you fit in within the local music scene? And I know you just, you know, a couple minutes ago described yourselves as a party blues band. Uh, I mean, Winnipeg has so many different scenes and so many different sort of like smaller sub-scenes within those larger scenes and, and you know, different venues that cater to different sounds. At this point, have you figured out sort of where you fit in and, and found other bands that are kind of, uh, you know, like-minded, whether they sound like you or not? Do you, do you have a place where you kind of feel comfortable at this point? I'd say that uh, the, the blues the blues genre is definitely where we tend to fit a little bit better. Um, but we could branch out on the rock side, too. Like, even when we play our more, you know, quote-unquote traditional blues, um, for, for lack of a better term, we always say we kind of deadbeat it up. Uh, so it, it can be a slower traditional song, but we're going to kind of play it a little more aggressive and in your face. Uh, so we can we can kind of mix over to the rock genre, but but the blues is definitely uh, definitely the comfort zone for us. And, and we found uh, a handful of other bands around town and surrounding areas that uh, complement us well and that we've done several gigs with. Yeah, and I mean, I think what, what we always say is we're kind of blues on steroids. And, uh, you know, we've done done festivals at the park theater with like uh arnie matheson band anywhere to lady lee and blue noise and we've done co-festivals with big dave mclean so it's um i think we're kind of a lot more versatile than most 
blues bands here in the city. And uh, it's always good to kind of float in and out and uh, keep one foot on the path of the blues and just kind of do the rest of the set where, where it needs to be to, to work the room. Well, I think having that kind of uh, ability to shift between genres too, like it's going to obviously work out in your favor in terms of introducing you to different audiences and then getting maybe the type of shows that you wouldn't get if you were just a straight ahead rock band or a traditional blues band. And so, yeah, having having that kind of nebulous uh, nebulousness where you can go from <laughs> one to the other. I like that word. Um, <laughs> I think there's going to be big words on the show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah you're going to be slapping syllables later. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's always great to, if you could sit on a fence, if you could, you know, kind of do that and where it makes sense to, to fit into those pockets, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you mentioned uh, Big Dave McLean too, just a minute ago. And Winnipeg has this kind of tradition of guys like that who have been doing more traditional blues for, for decades now. What is your, as a band and maybe individually as well, what is your background as far as um, getting into this kind of music? Because I mean, blues as like an umbrella genre has obviously influenced so much stuff and has kind of, mm-hmm. you know, morphed and converted into so many other styles of music over the decades and even like a century now but you know being in winnipeg and being in manitoba what how did you get into this this style um well, maybe i should go first on this yeah you start yeah um myself i really got into the blues when i was in my mid-teens um that's when eric Clapton put out me and mr johnson and Aerosmith did <clears throat> honking on bobo right i started playing guitar because i loved acdc who i once i learned what they did was just amped up blues and um, that's where it started for me. And I started, you know, going a, a little further back down the wedge. And I learned guys who like Mississippi Fred, uh, Bo Diddley, Muddy Waters, Sun House, Robert Johnson. I started learning who these people were. And I started getting really, really rooted on their music. And um, I just always, always found myself, that was my comfort zone musically. And I just wanted to find like-minded people and, you know, kind of bring that on on stage with us and then i found uh first i found steve who is definitely just along for the ride our sax player he uh he's a chameleon he likes all kind of genres of music our bass player jack he was a he's an old punker from the 80s but he definitely kept one foot on the uh, on the path like i said with the blues he opened up for muddy waters in the uh in the early early 80s in thunder bay where he's from and uh he was a big blues guy so once the three of us got hooked up. We got a little traction. And then Dusty came into the picture. He was definitely more of a, a rock background. Yeah, I'd say growing up, I was always a rock guy. I was That was my kind of bread and butter, what I was into listening. Um, but like you mentioned beforehand, like blues, it, it's in the undertones of all of, of rock and roll and all that kind of stuff, right? So when I joined the band, I knew some blues. I was big into Clapton. I was big into a couple of the other guys. Um, but... Uh, I was kind of pushing more of a rock feel uh, and then kind of just fell in love with the blues as, uh, as I started to learn the music and gain an appreciation for it. And uh, as, as Dylan always bugs me, he says, I'm a better blues singer than a rock singer. So stick with, uh, stick with what makes the money, I guess. <laughs> I didn't think he listened to me, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe something about that though. I mean, like blues has always seemed like a genre of music where um, the element of soul is really important. I mean, it's it's very emotional music, just kind of at its core. And I, I get the impression anyway that there's a lot of people who are fans of that genre where they take it very seriously. I mean, there, there's, there's such a history behind it, and the the idea of 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 
Well, just to rewind a bit, one of the things that, that comes up all the time on this show, whether it's uh, I'm talking to a rapper or a country singer or a metal band, is the idea of authenticity and of uh, people in, in Manitoba having a really good yeah. bullshit detector and kind of being able to you know identify when someone is not being themselves when they're putting out something artistic. Is that an important part of it is having some kind of authenticity to what you're singing about, what you're playing about, especially in a genre that's so rooted in, in emotion and feeling and soul. Uh, blue blues is all feel. If and again, mm-hmm. that that's in my opinion, impossible to fake. Yeah. You're either, you're either in it or you're not. Right. And, and I think if, uh, like you said, the bullshit detector factor, right? Like it, it's easy to peg if, if somebody's kind of just going through the motions and, and doing it for whatever motivation, if you're not into it and feeling it, it's it's pretty apparent. I would absolutely agree, and I think that's something we're we really take pride on as we make sure that we have an appreciation of you know where we are in that link in the chain. I mean, our our first album came out in twenty eighteen. There was uh, twelve songs on it. Eleven of them we wrote. The twelfth we want to have a traditional blues song on it, and we ended up doing uh, uh, preaching blues by Sunhouse. Okay, and we just thought that was a great place to go to, like you said, be authentic. I, th- I think that's a great word for it. Because the blues is about authenticity. Like Dustin said, you can't fake it. And um, it's something I think we really pride ourselves in. You're not going to come to a deadbeat show without hearing uh, a Howlin' Wolf song or a John Lee Hooker or Muddy Waters. Or, you know, that's uh, that has been a staple from almost day one. And here we are, you know, 12, 13 years later, and it continues to be. Build, building on that, too, though, you're not going to go to a debut show without getting a little bit of the history of it, too. Like, um, you're not going to hear it from me very often. I'm not the historian of all this stuff. Like I said, I'm a little newer to the getting into the, the roots of the genre, but, you know, it's not very uh, not very uncommon for Dylan to start off before a song and say, hey, this one's by so-and-so from 1936, and, and kind of give a little bit of a chronological uh, history of, of what we're doing and where it's coming from. And, and basically just giving praise to the guys that started it out, right? Yeah. Well, and yeah, I think that's kind of a tradition, right, too, is, is that because because some of the stuff is so old um, and it's been borrowed and, 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 and mutated so many times over the years by oh, yeah. so many different bands, right? I guess, yeah, pointing out sort of the originators of this stuff is, is, it is important. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's just such a respect thing. And I think, any good blues band has, or any band in general, has a respect for what they're doing. Yeah. And if you don't have that, you're, you're not going to be successful. Yeah, for sure. Well, then that goes along with the authenticity thing too, right? It's just uh, you're you're being genuine to what it is you're doing instead of just, uh, yeah, phoning it in or, or, or putting on the costume and, and going out there and, yeah, yeah, entertaining <laughs> a hotel crowd or for something. For sure. Yeah, yeah. That's a great <laughs> way of putting it.
One thing I'm sick of talking about, but I'm going to bring it up anyway, uh, because it's affected everyone over the past two and a half years, is, is is the pandemic. And I mean, hopefully we'll get to a point where I I, I can stop asking bands about it. But we're you know, we're still at a point now where it has affected so many people uh, to such a degree. What was it like for you guys? You got a you know a relatively large band. It's not like a, a duo or a three piece or something. What was it like trying to navigate sort of that situation where you couldn't necessarily get together to rehearse? Shows weren't happening. Yeah, it was just kind of a uh, for everyone, but I mean, creative people in general were were hit pretty hard with it. Yeah, it was tough. I mean, we we tried to get together when it was permitted, kind of thing, right? Whenever those pockets opened up, we made sure we crammed in a few rehearsals just so hey, we can show face and see each other. Hey, man, how you doing? Yeah. Kind of thing, right? It was a little further than a text message or a phone call. Um, and then yeah, just to get back into the music and to start kind of making sure we're not losing, you know groove feel all that kind of stuff compatibility right um and then when uh when things started opening up uh for smaller things acoustic duo stuff dylan and i started doing uh acoustic duo stuff just to primarily keep our name out there right like we don't want people forgetting who we are and what we do and it's different than what we've ever done like uh, I'm, i'm newer to the scene than dylan but dylan's never really done the acoustic thing either 
Um, but it was an avenue for us to go down in order to stay out in people's faces, uh, keep the name going a little bit. We did uh, one live stream from XQs. Okay. Um, so we were able to do that just so we can kind of get proper sound and everything recorded in there. Uh, so that helped put that out and, and got a little bit of traction on that. But yeah, it was it was difficult. There's no question. It was it was not a fun time. I think there was also a little bit of a, a silver lining to it as well, which is probably a tough thing to say about a global pandemic. Um, but the the silver lining, like Dustin said, you know, we, uh, we got together when we could, but we we get together religiously every Wednesday, and for the most part, over the lockdown isolation period. We were still doing like a Facebook call where we yeah. have a few drinks and talk some talk some blues, talk some music for a while. Um, but then to touch on what when we got beyond that with the the acoustic stuff we were doing, um, I think it made both of us much more disciplined players because when you take just everything out and you just have like the bare bones of it, right? Like you gotta you gotta hit your marks and be consistent. There's, there's and, no hiding. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very very humbling. And I think that was a silver lining because I think once we got past all that and that phase when we started getting back together with the with the five or six of us as a full band, I think it made us stronger as a unit where we paid maybe a little bit more attention to our individual parts. And uh, I mean, I don't think I've ever said this to your face, but your growth over uh, those acoustic gigs were fantastic and it made him a much, much better singer in front man. So Aww, that's sweet. <laughs> Has that experience uh, exclusive? Has that uh, acoustic experience? Has that made you kind of um, look at some of the existing songs that you you have sort of from a different light? Like, has it cha- changed maybe the way you approach oh, some of the stuff you're no doing question. now? Yeah, yeah. There's there's no question. Hey, when you're doing something acoustically, like me uh, from a vocal perspective, if we're doing an amped up song, I- I'm gonna get raspy and stuff like that. That doesn't really always it doesn't always work with acoustic, right? It's a softer feel. Um, so yeah, you got to completely change how you approach and attack a song. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was, yeah, completely different, completely different. Yeah. And like, from my perspective as well, it's like, it's easy to make a song sound big and full and fun when you have a yeah. band behind you, but when it just, you and a guitar, it's like, wow, I gotta keep some open strings. I gotta keep some rhythm going as I'm trying to punch the lead. And I think once again, one of the silver linings is when we started doing duo gigs, Dustin, picked up a kazoo and uh the north end saxophone if you will <laughs> yeah and we started we started emulating like the the sax parts of our originals with the kazoo and then that kind of grew and grew and grew and that was part of our regular show and one of our originals that we have upcoming it's uh it's featured on that so oh, cool that's where i kind of come with the silver lining part of it musically so it uh you got to adapt right yeah yeah, and it sounds like you you found a a good way to do it too. I mean, a lot of people I think struggled at sort of how to keep going or when there was so much uncertainty. But do, doing that duo thing and the acoustic thing, yeah, it's it take, taking it and from a new new perspective when you could actually follow the regulations and stuff and restrictions and and still make music that's cool. Is that something you hope to do sort of going forward as well? Are there going to be more acoustic shows or now that you can do the full live band thing? Are you going to stick with that? Um, I think we both agree that the live band thing is definitely more fun. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, however, having said that, our sax player, you know, he he's uh, run, runs a, a business that is very slow in the, the wintertime, and he buggers off to Mexico for 10 weeks. So, you know, that opens up some availability to do some acoustic stuff there. 
I will sprinkle some stuff in here and there throughout the, throughout the year, but um, full band is definitely the main focus. There's, there's no question. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the uh, the sprinkling, like Destin said, would be more so rooms where like a full band doesn't really make sense. So it's uh, it's opened us up to some different rooms and opportunities on that front as well. So. Well, and it's kind of like what you're talking about at the beginning too. Having having the the blues mixed with the rock, you have kind of you're more available to, to different scenes and different crowds. And I guess that acoustic thing has opened you up to even even more people who maybe wouldn't have otherwise thought they would be inter- interested in a amped up blues band. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's versatility, right? It's uh, it's versatility. It's adapting. It's working with the opportunities that are in front of you. And I think it's important to to capitalize on. Not everyone, but as many as you can. So. Well, things that I thought we'd never do. Me, personally, not a huge country guy. The acoustic, we sprinkle in a country tune, right? We've got a, a softer John Mayer tune. We've got Green Day. So not not things that you'd expect to see from a blues band, but but uh, it, it allows us to open that door a little bit more and expand our our uh, musical genres and, and kind of try to appease to a bigger audience. Just me, you. 
I mean, and again, like we know, like we've said a few times, blues has influenced so much other stuff, and it's it, touches of it are in everything. But have you seen any kind of growth or resurgence or anything like that in blues as a genre among other local artists? Like, are there people who are? And you've been doing this for a while now. Are there people who are starting out who are playing similar styles or using blues in a similar way that you've noticed, or is it still kind of uh, limited to the traditional folks and then a, a handful of uh, more rock uh, influence bands? It's it's definitely a lot smaller of a market that I, I I would say, um. But for the first time in my life, I think that there are finally younger people than myself or ourselves, um, doing blues. And that's when you're looking at uh, Dana and Balls of Blue or uh, Robert Andreas and the Redemption <coughs> Band. He's a young dude. He's he's a huge blues guy. Um, Chris Cadonio to Brandon. Uh, there's, there, there's a lot of cool, cool local acts that are, that are, that are starting out and that are, some of them are actually fairly well established, um, that are bringing blues to the forefront and, uh, it's, it's cool to see them out there doing their thing and it's great when we kind of link up for a, you know, a multi, multi-bill night and, uh, everybody plays off each other kind of thing, right? Yeah. When, like, one band goes out, it's like, okay, now, now we know where the bar is. The next band goes out and it's like, hey, now that's where the bar is and, and it's cool to have that a little bit of a competitive streak, but at the same time, it's all supportive too, right? So, mm-hmm. it's great to work together. I've I've preached that for years and years and years with this band. It's we're all in this together, so why try to work against each other? I know there's a lot of competitive out there and competitiveness out there, and we I don't think we dig into that at all. We just want to be our own band. We want to do our own thing and work with as many good people as we can along the way because we all have the same goal. We want to play our music, play our song, get our point across and, uh, and have fun doing it. That's yeah. bottom line. As long if you're not having fun, there's no point in playing music. Our kind of joke in the band is million bucks or bust, right? <laughs> if, we're, if we're not going to go out there and we're going to make a million bucks, well, damn it, we're going to go out there and we're going to have a hell of a time. Yeah. So it's, and we, we, we know we're not, we know we're not making a million, so let's go have fun and let's support everybody else. And let's kind of bring it together and have have an overall great time. Yeah, I like that attitude. I think that's uh, that, that kind of goes in line with the bullshit detector thing too because, I mean, if you're not having fun and you're just going through the motions, people can see through that too and they, they're not going to have a good time watching you, right? So, so Yeah. yeah. Uh, at this point, I mean, uh, the band's been around for a dozen years or so. How many albums do you have out? We just released our our, our first... That's a little question. Okay, how many releases so did... do you have out? Uh, is that maybe a better... Uh, <laughs> Our, our first one we did officially was 2014. It was Blow Some Blues My Way. It wasn't very good. It was before we had Amp. We were still growing. We went into the studio. We wrote some songs, and we recorded them. It was very, very low budget, low key. But uh, he joined us in 2016, and then we, we took six months off. We didn't perform. We didn't have any shows booked. 
we kind of just isolated ourselves down here and uh, and we we wrote our first album which was don't tell nobody which came out in 2018 we recorded it um early in the year and it came out in the fall um and we rode that wave pretty much to the pandemic as we came out of the pandemic um a friend of ours built a studio he's like come on over record a song we went there one song turned into two turned into three turned into five turned into eight turned into ten we're like wow we might as well release these so we we call it an ep it's it, it's really an album that we came out with which was our uh our second official release which is another tall glass came out in, uh, this past november so Technically two and a half, but we'll just call it two. Sure. Yeah, that, that one's that one's a blues cover album. That's so kind of an homage and a, uh, us paying respects to a lot of the bands that came out and did it before us, and kind of bringing those uh, songs to some people that maybe don't know them. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we're like I said, our, our sax player goes away for a couple months in the winter time, so our, our primary focus right now is is we're in writing mode. Mm-hmm. So we're uh, we got a, a couple one song recorded. Of, new original we got a couple songs that are are getting close to that point and we got a a few to maybe a handful that are in, in the works kind of thing so it's it's a it's a fun time is that for uh, are you hoping for a release this year or is that just sort of up in the air at this point um i, I doubt we'll have a release this year it'd be nice to get everything recorded this year and yeah. kind of work on the, the mixing the mastering and and maybe uh, a spring a year from now kind of thing release would be cool uh, that way we can kind of put some singles out and and see how those do and then when the whole thing's put together do uh do a big party for it mm-hmm. cool cool
And how can people hear you? I mean, the good thing about this being a podcast is, you know, someone could listen to it the day it comes out or they could listen to it a year from now. And by then, maybe you have new music out, playing different shows. What's the best way to sort of, first of all, hear your music? And secondly, keep track of what you're doing as far as uh, live shows and things like that. YouTube and Facebook. Absolutely. The two of two of those. Um, we did our release party for another tall glass in November. There's uh, two or three songs um, posted from that show. All you got to plug in is DB and the Dead Beats on YouTube. You'll find that as long as a couple compilation videos. Um, we have a few videos from our 2018 release. We have a couple of originals where we just kind of did like, a, like just like a still image with the audio. So you could listen to it around the house. Um, so that to listen to us, definitely YouTube. We haven't done the, the Spotify thing yet, but we're... And Apple uh, Music. We're, we're, we're a little behind the times. We're, we're younger on the scene, but uh, we're a little slower with the technology. So it's definitely something we're looking at getting into and, and getting digital stuff out there. We'll make it a little bit easier to, to take a listen, for sure. But the uh, the way to keep in touch with us is definitely Facebook. We, uh, we're we very active on there. If somebody sends us a message, we, we, we respond quick. All our gigs and jam nights that we host and stuff are always posted on there. So it's... Uh, it's where to find the deadbeats. <laughs> cool, cool. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes too, so people can can just click right from there. Is there um? No. Do you have anything coming up in the relatively near future, like in the next few weeks or months, that uh, as far as shows that you want to plug? Um, that, like I said earlier, it's, this is kind of our slow season right now. We of are course, hosting yeah. the jam um, next weekend, so that'd be the twenty first of January. Outside of that, March eleventh, I believe, at the Tap House is going to be our first kind of full band gig once uh, once our sax player's back in town and that's where we're going to kick off our busy season.
Where you been so long? 